Welcome to the Fresh Start Church Podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. Here you'll find preached messages from our pastors. We pray that the spirit of revival is imparted to you as you listen. To watch live, check us out on YouTube or visit our website at freshstartaz.com. And to stay connected with us, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Holy Spirit, we open our hearts to your word today. Speak, Holy Spirit. Can we just say that? Speak, Holy Spirit. Amen. A little bit more uh, heartier than that. Amen. Can we say, speak, Holy Spirit. Amen. We want him to speak. Amen. Hallelujah. I have a word for you this morning. There's an assignment on the message this morning. There's an assignment on every message. Amen. Uh, Whether it's me or anybody else, there's an assignment on the word. And so I bring to you today... Part two of apostolic capacity, yes. Everybody scream apostolic capacity, yes. Amen. So um, the subtitle, if you have that up there, is this, of whom the world was not worthy. Of whom the world was not worthy. Of whom the world was not worthy. And that is a, um, a quote from the scripture that I'm getting ready to read to you that I'll, I'll give here in the beginning and I'll get back to um, in a little bit. But um, we had an amazing um, Doorkeepers of Revival weekend last weekend. Can we give the Holy Spirit a thank you and the Lord praise? Come on. Come on, Fresh Start. That was a... That was a marking weekend. It was a threshold crossing. Come on, we got to give him praise. God God visited, God touched, God spoke. The prophets were in the house. Come on, amen. And I'm going to revisit a little bit of that this morning. And um, um, and uh, And so I'm going to speak on apostolic capacity. Now, the last time that I preached here at Fresh Start, uh, was the beginning of May, and that was the last message that I preached. And I'm going to do a little bit, uh, apostolic capacity was the last one that I preached. I'm going to do a little bit of review, and I'll do that quickly, just because it's been that many weeks since that message was released. Um, but the Lord has spoken more, and He's spoken since then. And it really has been, if you if you go over the, uh, the, um, the weeks uh, following, uh, the Lord has really been speaking uh, through the mouths of two or three witnesses. You know what I'm saying? He's been, he's been giving us what he needs us to hear. Amen? And uh, so apostolic capacity of whom the world was not worthy. And so last weekend, I think it was just a, a thunderous, uh, just a, I don't know, a, what do you call it? Climax and eruption of, of and, and, the, and the, speci- the some specificity, I guess it's a word, and the specific things that the Lord needed to point us to. And so um, today I'm going to put another prophetic layer on that um, as a uh, uh, one of the leaders and, and voices of this house, um, apostles and prophets of this house and this revival, because the Lord is taking us uh, fresh start in this revival um, further than maybe we ever thought, dreamed, or imagined. Amen. And uh, it is not for our glory. It is only for his glory because time is short and um, the devil is working hard, but there's a remnant in the earth, a remnant of the, remnant of the church in the earth that we're not going to back down uh, to anything. Uh, in, in Jesus' name. And so I'm getting ready to read to you a group of people that didn't back down. And uh, they operated in apostolic capacity and uh, of whom the world was not worthy. 
of whom the world was not worthy. So go with me to Hebrews chapter 11, New King James Version, chapter, uh, excuse me, verse um, 30. And it starts like this. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, and turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others... Let's pause on that word for a moment. Others, please say others. Others were tor tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still, others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, of chains and imprisonment. And they were stoned and they were sawn in two and they were tempted and they were slain with the sword and they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute, afflicted and tormented. Verse 38, if you will say it with me, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and in caves of the earth. And all of these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect or complete apart from us. Verse chapter 12, therefore. Everybody say, therefore. therefore. We got to look back when it says therefore and see what it's there for, all right? Therefore. So the writer here is taking all of what I just read to you and he's linking it to, chap to chapter 12, verse 1, saying, therefore... Because of everything that I have just said, we also, nudge your neighbor hard and say, that's you, come on. We also, others, 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 others. We also, since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, what great cloud of witnesses? Everyone that I just read to you, some names were named, their, their, their names were named, but there were many whose names did not get named. Can I get a witness? So we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. And so the writer says, because of that, let us, us, let others, let us, let us uh, lay aside every weight, anything that weighs us down, and any kind of sin which ensnares us easily, and let us, others, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, and I'm going to inject something here that is not taking away from the Word of God, but to, to press on my point this morning, let us, the others, run with endurance the race that is set before us so that we can also say or it can also be said of us of whom the world was not worthy 
looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Can we bless the word of God this morning? Come on. Hallelujah. Apostolic capacity of whom the world was not worthy. Let me give you just a little bit of, of recap of what I said on May the 1st uh, this year, a month or so ago, on apostolic capacity. The Lord was speaking to us and that Sunday, and he said, fresh start, get ready for apostolic, get prepared, excuse me, for apostolic capacity. Get prepared for apostolic capacity. Capacity is the ability to receive or contain. It is the scope of something. Apostolic is just simply bottom line, meaning the characteristics of the apostles. On July the 20th of 2021, I released a prophetic word that says something like this to Fresh Start. This was July of last year. We're moving Fresh Start into higher apostolic operation. And as we go into higher apostolic operation, can we have full trust and confidence in the Lord that revival is going to take on a different face? With that said, we've got to shed any level of fear and any level of comfortability. And continuing the word that I release, it said, Lord, keep us pure. Let's say that. Lord, Continuing to say, help us not to fall into the pit of seeking or craving influence. If there is, continuing the word, any intimidation, if there is any insecurities, deal with them. Because in year seven, which we are in, they will be magnified. The Lord says we have to be okay with the uncertainty, says the Lord. Hallelujah. I begin to uh, continue to say in that message on May 4th that fresh start, it is time for capacity increase in this revival. We've been here many times before. This is not the first time, and this will not be the last time. This is the nature of sustained revival. Shout sustained revival. You have to continue to cross thresholds so that capacity increases. Apostolic capacity is can be defined as a bold old faith to reach beyond this realm and grab the essence of eternity within us to discern the eternal mandate for such a time as this. I'm going to say that one more time. Apostolic capacity is a bold faith to reach beyond this realm, we just sang about it, and grab the essence of eternity that is within us to discern the eternal mandate for such a time as this. Amen? If we're going to continually increase in personal and corporate capacity, apostolic capacity, we have to begin to realize the enormity of God's eternal plan. Salvation through the blood of Jesus is the ultimate victory. But what you and I are allowed to be and become in that is also it must be revealed. Stay with me. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3 that God God has planted eternity.
eternity in the human heart. Are you with me? Beating within each and every one of us is an eternal pulse that cannot be stopped. And it is that cadence that drives us. For those of us who choose Jesus, the outcome is eternal life and it is righteous purpose. For those of us who do not choose Jesus, the outcome is eternal regret and torment at the thought, get this, of not reaching the capacity of what God had created them to reach. And I'll say it like this. I have to move fast. This is just a recap to get you in the context of where the rest of what the Lord has. You see, God is needing us to march and hear the cadence and the frequencies of his realm like never before. There is a cadence and a frequency of the eternal realm. This is why we must, I repeat and emphasize, must cut ties to the temporal realm. We have to live in this world, but we cannot be of this world. We have responsibilities, but we cannot let the responsibilities have us and drown out the sound of the cadence of the eternal realm and the frequency that is coming from his throne. In your life and in my life, his realm and his uh, uh, essence should be of utmost priority. If your heart beats and your life and your priorities are driven by the temporal realm, my friend, you will have an awakening one day. And I pray that it is on this side of eternity. Because if you wait to get on the other side of eternity, you will not spend eternity with Jesus Christ. You will spend eternity in a hell that has been created for the devil and his angels. But for those who did not march to the cadence of the glory realm and the and the and the and the and the, and the, and the and the glory that God has given you to work in in this realm. You hear what I'm saying? And this is what I know as a reality because of what the weight of the word is that you will spend eternity thinking about how you did not reach the capacity that God had put within you. Yeah? So there's an eternal pulse that cannot be stopped. There's a cadence, there's a frequency of the eternal realm that drives us. We have the capacity to receive what eternity holds. Because eternity is in our hearts, we have the capacity to receive what eternity holds. And only we, God's human creation, have been, have been, have been made with this capacity to be filled with all of eternity or to be filled with all of him. Let me deviate just a moment and say this. We, as the body of Christ, as the children of God, we should leave nothing in heaven that is supposed to be pulled into this earth. Did you hear what I said? We should leave nothing in heaven that is supposed to be pulled into this earth. To unlock realms of his purpose is a privilege and a responsibility that is given to his sons and his daughters. Shout amen if you know what I'm saying. Revelation chapter 3 verse 21 says, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. We will never be able to rule nations with Jesus if we cannot prove capacity increase here. Part of overcoming is not just getting your bills paid. Come on somebody. It's not just getting through the next day. Part of overcoming is the ability to reach and pursue the realms of glory and pull them 
well. Hallelujah. The Acts 2 revival resulted in a continuous revival because they walked in the concept of apostolic capacity. Their personal pursuit created a corporate capacity resulting in large harvests of souls occupying and invading territories, establishing the kingdom of God within those territories, raising more and more revivalists of all nations, making disciples and passing mantles until they all died and they passed those mantles to you and I today with the potential capacity you and I hold what they pass to us. Come on. And Fresh Start Church is touching territories, y'all. Beyond Arizona, we saw Nevada, Texas, California in the house today. We have been operating in apostolic capacity probably without even realizing the total scope of it. The Lord has been leading us by breadcrumbs and that is how he will continue to lead us one step at a time. The Holy Spirit is teaching us that just as he did in those early church, in the early church, the Lord is now requiring for such a time as this, that we recognize the potential of capacity and reach for more individually and corporately. As you grow, as I grow, we all grow. Come on somebody. Last week, the prophets were in the house. Are you ready? Now that's your short recap of probably an hour and a half sermon that I preached the last time. Amen. The prophets were in the house, and we want, now, I'm going to tell you, there have been numerous, I mean, countless almost, words, prophetic words over seven years of revival, seven, eight years now, even before revival, that has been spoken over this house and this revival. But God is asking us to release a faith. Come on, somebody. A faith. Hallelujah. And last week, he put some verbiage on it for such a time as this. And here is the word of the Lord. Are you ready? Prophet Tomi said, Fresh Start Church. Now, just so you'll have a little bit of background, that's the first time that we had ever met him, all right? The first time. He lives in Africa. Come on, somebody. Nigeria. And uh, he doesn't know the deep history of this church. Are you with me? He does not know. That's the first time we've ever talked to him, first time we've ever seen him. And that's about all I'll say on that. But this is what he said. You have fresh start, have not had one, not two, but three fresh starts. For you have faced your Belials, and I did in you and your leaders what I did in Joseph. I stripped you of three coats I gave you. Your first coat was one who said that they would build with you, but ended up dividing you. And you watched the spirit of Jezebel come in to break apart the scaffolding so that your builders could emerge. For in your first coat, I was shaking off those who were still loyal to an old wineskin that were not prepared to move into the season of change. Your second coat was old coverings that that had no ability to stop the rain from coming in. And in this, I forged and am still forging kingdom alliances over, over rigid networks. Your third coat is the one you are wearing now. It is the coat of revival and the coat of an identity that you have recently come into the fullness of. But in your final coat, There is a tearing, it is the coat of revival, and you've come into the fullness of, but in your final coat, there is a tearing of a large, thick mantle that will release a multiplication anointing. 
In this multiplication, I will turn your harvest into your workers and they will be possessed with the spirit of revival. Revival. There will be a new gathering anointing that you will kickstart and it will be your final fresh start. It will open up a 10-year season of outpouring upon Arizona. It will be worship, the worship and the prophetic and the miraculous and it will be led by a sound that will cause Arizona to gather the world to it. For I desire, the Lord says, critical mass. And where it was previously said quality over quantity, I will say it will be both quality and quantity. I will give you stadium anointings for you possess the capacity. And America will come to witness a fresh start revival. During this window and even before, I will stir up London, Los Angeles, represent in the house. Come on, somebody. Germany, Atlanta, France, Belgium, Mexico. And they will all say... We want to adopt the Fresh Start name and Fresh Start will no longer be known as a church in one place any longer, but as a movement of God in many places to refresh and revive the nations. There will be Fresh Start homes, Fresh Start colleges, Fresh Start schools that will send people from America as missionaries around the world. Fresh Start kids that will birth young people from as young as five in Pentecost. For I will cause the finances to flow and you will see your partners coming from afar. There will even be that which build homes, hospitals, and broken down cities. For I will turn a pool of revival into a roaring at an unstoppable river and you will bridge a generation gap through critical mass gatherings and revivals that will be remembered for years to come after you're gone men from all over the world will recall the days of fresh start where the Lord started to do unusual and supernatural things The word of the Lord through Apostle Jane Hammond. This is that you know, I think, what's happening here. Sorry. This is what's happening here. Is that which has been prophesied. Let me say that again. This is that, she said, that has been prophesied. And I hear the Spirit of the Lord say, Fresh Start Church, I want you to know that even as on the day of Pentecost, I gathered people in an upper room and I baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire and I released a sound in that room that day that saturated the atmosphere and it launched a worldwide transformation and movement out of that upper room. The Lord says that there were previous upper rooms, there, uh, that was an upper room where Elijah raised a boy from the dead and he stretched himself out on that young boy who was dead and cold and he started prophesying life and he started prophesying breath and he started prophesying resurrection 
and a generation later Elisha went up to the upper room of the Shunammite where she had taken her prophesied son who had died and the Lord says many of you have prophetic dreams that have died and purposes that have died and the Lord says even in America there have been prophetic things that have dreamed for America that have died and those things have been carried to an upper room and they're waiting for an Elijah they're waiting for an Elisha to come and stretch themselves out over the place of death and the place of destruction and the Lord says fresh start I have made you an upper room an upper room of fire an upper room of intercession you are an upper room of prophetic mandates you are a prophetic upper room and with declarations and I'm calling you fresh start to stretch yourself out over Maricopa County over the city of Phoenix over the state of Arizona over the United States of America for that which has died I will call back to life but it will not come back to life through cute slogans or well-planned programs it's going to come back to life with my Pentecostal fire and it will not come back to life it depends on others the Lord says I'm sending you to those who uh, I'm sending you as those that spill out of the upper room like they did full of the Holy Ghost and power and, and carried that fire and begin to ignite fire everywhere they go and the world was turned upside down because of what happened in the Lord's of uh, the upper room and the Lord says fresh start you are an upper room in this city in this state and in this nation and from here I will catapult a worldwide movement that will turn the world upside down hallelujah stay with me A major operation of the true pop prophet is to help us see the way. A true prophet here will here will point to potential, but it does not mean it's inevitable. Prophets also know in part and they see in part. So this may not be all. Are you with me? And it is not the prophet's responsibility. It is our responsibility. It's like Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, I charge you, my I charge and I commit to you, my son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, in the Passion. Timothy, my son, I am trusting you with this responsibility in keeping with the very first prophecies that were spoken over your life and are now in the process of fulfillment in this great work of the ministry. Look at your neighbor left and right and say, it's our responsibility. Come on, it's our responsibility. We want to steward it well. There is a responsibility 
to what the Lord has spoken. And I'm going to speak to that responsibility in the next few moments. I will go as fast as I can, but I'm telling you there is a weight on this word that I'm getting ready to deliver to you. I had to go where I went so far to get you to hear, ears to hear the rest of what the Lord is saying to us for such a time as this. There is a weighty responsibility to what the Lord has spoken and with that responsibility as we respond comes the ability to carry out the word of the Lord. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. As a matter of fact, you just go ahead and tell your neighbor, it's not going to get easier. Amen. It just means that you're walking in what the Lord says and you're not walking in your own understanding within the parameters of what the Lord says. There is ability to face anything, anything that the word tells us that we have to walk in. So when times get tough, when the enemy starts working, when the swirl of the demonic starts trying to kick up, you just understand, I'm going to be obedient to the word of the Lord. I'm going to be obedient to the voice of the Lord. I'm going to follow what he says do. Come on. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. I know that God spoke. So in Jesus name, I grab hold in faith. Come on. One of the greatest, if not the greatest elements of the responsibility of the prophetic word is humility and purity. The word must be given in purity and humility and the word must be received in purity and humility. Remember, this is an an eternal directive, not a temporal pursuit. Oh, how we have confused that in the body of Christ. Knowingly or unknowingly, our flesh takes what eternity bestows and somehow we end up making it about us and not about him. This cannot be so. The grace to increase in capacity will be halted if we mishandle and misjudge and poorly discern the word of the Lord. Are you with me? So the first thing that I have to say to you, and there's only a couple more after this in case you're keeping time, taking track, whatever, hallelujah, your stomach is growling. I'm telling you where I'm going. Come on, somebody. The first one is that motives matter. Yes. The first one is that motives matter. We must not ignore the powerful element of motive and motivation on this journey. A motive is the underlying reason for any action. It's the incentive for doing something. We fresh start must stay pure in our pursuit of him and have a constant heart checkup as to the why behind the what as we move forward on the journey of sustained revival and the prophetic word of the Lord. The high demands of the supernatural require a high pursuit of authenticity before the Lord. Our why must stay unmixed and uninfected by carnal desires and worldly mindsets and selfish ambitions. Let me say something, because some of you think that we quit church at 12 around here, and I'm just telling you it ain't happening again. You hear what I'm saying? Acceptable service becomes repulsive when base motives are behind it. Acceptable service becomes repulsive when base motives are behind it. Let me talk to you a moment about ambition versus zeal. 
Let me talk to you a moment and say, my friends, do not confuse your personal ambition and call it spiritual zeal. One is about you, my friend. The other is about him. I'm going to say it again and you leave it on the screen. Do not confuse your personal ambition and call it a spiritual seal. It has become all about you and not about him. I came to make religion. You see, I've been nice to this point. But when the word of the Lord, when the Lord sends, the the Holy Spirit sends the prophets of the Lord to grace this place, not just those last week, but many times before, we must take seriously what God is wanting to do with this revival. Do not confuse your personal ambition for spiritual zeal because one is about you and the other is about him. One is born of flesh and the other of spirit. One is a desire for achievement and the other is a cause. The difference will be who gets the glory. Misguided ambition will lead you along the path of personal gain and exaltation while zeal directs your steps into a dying to a personal agenda and a surrender of everything so Christ can get the glory. Your ambition, my friend, will only get things done, but zeal gets glory. Zeal gets glory. Zeal gets glory. Revival brings awesome results by the power of God through the hands of a man or a woman. And if we're not careful, it can cause our human motives to move from pure to perverted. Perverted means you turn from right, becoming misguided and distorted with the result totally opposite or far off course from the original intention. Did you hear what I just said? There have been many prophetic words that have been given over people of God and it was pure. It was purely given even and purely probably received in the beginning, but somewhere human ambition got involved. Now, sometimes human ambition is at the beginning, but you hear what I'm saying? Human ambition gets involved and something that was pure becomes perverted and perverted means that you come twisted you become distorted and you're no longer seeing it through God's eyes you're seeing it through your eyes not what he can be but what I can be not what he can be but what I can be fresh start are you hearing what I'm saying Proverbs 21 2 in the passage says you may think you're right all the time but God thoroughly examines our motives God is interested in our motives more than our actions and can I say this that your character will always speak louder than your gift my friend Leave that up there and let's Selah for a moment. Your character will always speak louder than your gift. Please scream at your neighbor, motives matter, motives matter. God cares what we do. Yes, he cares how and he cares why we do certain things. He's interested in those intentions that are hidden from natural eyes. He's after our hearts. Proverbs 27, fire is the way to test purity of silver and gold. But the character of a man is tested by giving him a measure of fame. 
There are unfortunately many revival stories that end in a less than perfect manner, not glorifying the Lord. And much of it is due to the loss of perspective that led to the pure becoming perverted, which led to wrong motives and motivations. Something that began for pure reasons can quickly devolve into selfish ambition if we do not guard our hearts. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Can I preach this morning? Proverbs 21, 8. Mixed motives twist life into tangles. Pure motives take you straight down the road. Help me preach fresh start because there is a capacity increase that God is requiring of of us. It is not just what a person does, but it is why he or she does it. And the motives is the source from which our actions issue. Come on. Proverbs 16, 2, we are all in love with our own opinions. Convinced that we're correct. But the Lord is in the midst of us, testing and probing our every motive. You see, we can easily fool ourselves by our motives, about our motives. We can pretend that we're choosing certain actions for God or the benefit of others, when in reality we have selfish ambition and selfish reasons. And God isn't fooled. Come on, somebody. And God will not be mocked. Help me, y'all. I'm getting us ready for what God has ahead. Selfish ambition is that you're just devoted to yourself and your own interests, your benefits, regardless of what, how you've packaged it. Come on, somebody. Human beings can operate from a variety of motivations, and often it's negative pride, anger, revenge, sense of entitlement, a desire for approval, applause. All will be catalysts for our actions. And because of this, we must guard our hearts at all times and invite the Lord to search us and to uncover wrong motives. Hallelujah. And the way that we do that, we find in the book of Psalms, create in me, O God, a new and a clean and a pure heart within me and fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires ready to please you. Psalm 51, I know that you delight to set your truth deep in my spirit. So come into the hidden places of my heart and teach me wisdom. Purify my conscience and make this leper clean again. Wash me in your love until I'm pure in heart. Psalm 139, God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through and find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my ancient cares. This fresh start is how personally and corporately we keep our motives pure by continually surrendering every part of our heart to the control of the Holy Spirit. Our flesh will constantly fight to exalt itself and only when we walk in the Spirit will we not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Shout in this room if you know what I'm doing today. In the Sermon on the Mount, the underlying theme that Jesus had ties all the topics together and its, its motives. One of the main points Jesus makes is that God only cares about what you do, but why you do it. Matthew 6, 1, examine your motives to make sure you're not showing off. When you do your good deeds, only to be admired by others, otherwise you will lose the reward of your heavenly Father. Come on. Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall. Uh-huh. Blessed are those who are pure, not only on the surface, appearing on the surface, but in the center of their being and the source of every activity. Once again, I repeat, 
We mustn't confuse personal ambition for spiritual zeal. The difference will be who gets the glory. Is it a desire for achievement to be affirmed or is it a fervor for a person? I'm getting us ready for apostolic capacity. (laughs) Ambition gets things done. Zeal births purpose. I came across something recently. It's my next point. Is a common misconception in the body of Christ is that because something or someone is anointed, it or they are blessed. Try it again. It's a common misconception that just because something or someone is anointed, they are blessed by the Lord. When you're blessed by the Lord, There is a strength and an authority that follows the blessing. I came across something recently. I'm getting us ready for apostolic capacity. Motives matter. Tell your neighbor, motives matter. I came across something in the the study Bible that I have. Some of you have the same Bible, and I'm giving credit where credit uh, is due here. And I had never seen this before, and I want to share it with you today. Because I feel the Lord is speaking specifically as we are getting ready to launch into unseen, unknown, unheard. Come on. We must grasp the depth of everything being ordered and having its origin in God. Everything, personal, corporate, having its origin in God. And I was reading... And I was reading in, in Samuel, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, about Saul the king, and then David became king. And I had never realized, let me read the scripture and I'll get back to that. 2 Samuel 3, 1. Now there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. The house of Saul and the house of David. Not to be obnoxious, well, for some of you it's going to be, but just to make a point. There's a common misconception in the body of Christ, that because it's anointed doesn't mean that it is blessed. And the Bible says in 2 Samuel 3, 1, that there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. But David grew stronger and stronger and the house of Saul grew weaker and weaker. Are you with me? As I begin to read, and I read the commentary in my Bible, the commentaries in my Bible, and I'm just going to give you what it says. I noticed that Saul was anointed with what the Bible calls, or this version calls, a clay flask. But David was anointed out of the ram's horn. And this was what the commentator said, or whatever you call those people. Prophets, priests, and kings were always anointed with the holy anointing oil, most frequently contained in a ram's horn. However, Saul's anointing was unique. The people had pressured Samuel for a king. They rejected God as their leader and they demanded to be like other nations. They wanted somebody that they could be proud of. Finally, God yielded, watch this, to the pressure. 
the human pressure. Are you with me? And instructed Samuel to go ahead and anoint this tall, kingly Benjamite as king. Samuel poured out the anointing oil from a clay flask upon Saul's head. This was different from the usual ram's horn anointing. This guy says the clay flask represents the pressures and the desires. Uh, and I, this is my words of a human origin come on somebody the pressures and the desires of people seeking to place a person in leadership or wanting to be put into leadership. This can radically affect revival. Unusual manifestations did come upon Saul after his anointing. He seemed to be a changed man in spite of the dramatic prophetic displays. However, Saul later turned his back on God and in less than in two years took things into his own hands. Listen to this. The anointing of the clay flask has short effect and serves only to give the people what they want in filling a position for a revivalist. Are you hearing what the Spirit is saying? David's anointing, however, was a revivalist who entered, if we can call him that, he was, at a very young age, and I'm just going to sum this part up to, so I can move on, is this, that David came at a young age and Samuel was looking at the wrong people. Samuel was looking at the obvious ones. But God had something that was of his origin, not man's origin. Because if there is a pressure, if there is a pressure, if there is a pushing, if there is a striving, it will be of human origin. But when God has something planned, there is not any other kind of plan or demon or human scheme that can take out God's plan. You hear me? Fresh start. We've got to keep our motives pure. we got to keep a handle on our selfish ambition and we got to cry out with all of our heart we want the anointing that comes from the ram's horn and Samuel finally saw David God says that's the one and he poured out a sweet smelling oil on David's head from the ram's horn this is representative the commentator says of aggressive strength and authority Anointing of God's origin. I'm going to say it again. Anointing of God's origin. A common misconception in the body of Christ is that which is anointed is blessed by God. God didn't want him to have a king. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But it was the pressure. The scriptures state that the spirit of the Lord came upon David. There was not as many, listen, there were not as many dramatic manifestations compared to Saul's anointing. Hear what I'm saying? I know you're listening. I know we're a shouting, screaming, amen in church. I know you're listening, but I'm going to ask you, are you getting this fresh start? Are you getting what the word is saying today? Godly anointings are not always accompanied by the spectacular. Come on, somebody. 
And the Bible says there was a war between the house of Saul and the house of David. Still reading the commentator to give credit to them. Even though that Saul was dead, the influence of his household and anointing still remained. One of the greatest enemies of revival by the ram's horn anointing that David possessed was the anointing of the clay flask that Saul was given. Persons and kingdoms desiring position, rank, and recognition as revival leaders succumb to the clay flask anointing and war with genuine revival even after their death. The effect, however, of a Saul-type anointing is temporary, and if a genuine revivalist will be patient, the former anointing will lose its effect and will no longer hinder revival. Somebody needs to shout in this place today. God is getting us ready for apostolic capacity. Now let me speak to the parable of the wheat and the tares. Come on somebody. What an amazing parable. He said, and this is going to be paraphrased here. He put forth a parable to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Do you see the picture that I'm painting today? That there is the pure and the authentic, but then there is that which is not born of God, but it is born of flesh. Help me, help me, help me, help me. And you go on down to verse 30 and it says, let both of them grow together, the Lord says, to harvest. And at harvest time, shout as loud as you can, at harvest time. Look at your neighbor in the eyeball say, it's harvest time. Oh, yes, it is. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, you got to first go get the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Come on, somebody. The good seeds are the son of the kingdom, but the tares are the son of the wicked one. The tares are gathered and burned in the fire, and so it will be at the end of the age. And there's many different opinions or some different opinions on this parable, but one that we believe and have always learned and taught is that, the, the, yes, the field... The, is the world, but this is talking to the church here. Are you with me? Is that in the harvest, in the workers, in the laborers, wheat and tares will grow up together. And until maturity, until the mature time, until the harvest time, you will not be able to tell the difference between the wheat and between the tares. Am I helping us get ready for apostolic capacity? But I came to tell you, it's harvest time. It's harvest time. It's harvest time. It's harvest time and we will be able to discern the wheat from the tares. Are you hearing me? Because as we're growing together, as it's growing together, you can't differentiate but there is a distinguishing there is a distinguishing characteristics of the tares that the wheat do not have because one is of God's origin and one is of man's origin. I said one is is of God's origin and one is of man's origin but the parable says it's when everything is mature that you're going to be able to tell the difference and the difference is that wheat when the wind blows the wheat bows down
the chairs stand straight up. Rigid, rigid. The word is actually noxious. You could add OB on the front of that, obnoxious. Literally, the word tears are noxious. They are harmful, poisonous, unpleasant, a harmful influence on the mind or on behavior. They have corrupting doctrines and tears are disagreeable and obnoxious. I'm just reading you the definition. And the parable said, it's at harvest time that you're going to be able to tell the difference because the wheat, the wind of the spirit is blowing. And because motives matter and because of a heart of humility and purity, the wheat will bow, come on, not only to the presence of God, but to the word of God and the word of the Lord. But the tear is like... I'm just getting this and this is not from the Bible commentary. The Bible said that Saul, am I right, was head and shoulders above everybody else. It's harvest time. It's harvest time. Can look like wheat until mature times come. Everything will be reaped, Jesus said. And that which has been sown in man, sown of man, sown of flesh, both good and evil, will be reaped. This is the time when the tears will be obvious and will be removed along with stumbling blocks. End quote. Now my quote. Are y'all ready? The point of the clay and the ram anointing and the wheat and the tares parable is that which is authored by God, only that which is authored by God will last. We are responsible with the prophetic word. This is my last point today. Hallelujah. The Lord has been giving us download after download after download through different voices that have graced this stage. The incredible word of the Lord last week from those who we were blessed to hear. And he says, have ears to hear. Have a heart to respond. Have the right posture. It's harvest time. So I was praying as I was, I was I actually spoke in North Carolina on Friday and, uh, and uh, came back that night and at uh, 35,000 feet or whatever thousand feet we were flying at, come on somebody, um, this is what I felt the Lord say. Are you ready? Revivalists, reformers, and restorers of whom the world is not worthy. Now, I said everything I've said for a reason. You, you hear how the Holy Spirit wraps this up. Revivalists and reformers and restorers. Let's say those three words together. Revivalists, 
reformers and restorers, keep going, of whom the world is not worthy. That phrase, of whom the world is not worthy, is a condemnation of the world and its inability to grasp the power of God at work in the most common of lives. Are you with me? Of whom the world is not worthy. Now let me break some things down here for you. Revivalists, reformers, and restorers. Let's all together say those three things one more time. Revivalists, reformers, restorers. Revive is to bring back to life, to return to life, to vigor or flourishing. Reform or reformation is improvement of what has been corrupted or what is wrong. Restore or restoration is to return, excuse me, to the state of soundness and wholeness. Hallelujah. Don't you believe that God in these end times needs every bit of that operating on this people planet. He needs revivalists. He needs reformers. He needs restorers that are raised up from a ram's horn anointing. Come on, somebody that are willing to bend with the wind of the Holy Spirit and submit to the word of the Lord. He needs us in this final hour to arrive as revivalists, reformers, and restorers. But let me tell you something, and I quote, often it has been thought that one has to choose between reformation and revival. But reformation and revival do not stand in contrast to one another, but both are related to the concept of restoration. Reformation is a restoring of the pure doctrine of the word of God. Revival is a restoring of a life in spiritual things. The great moment in church history have come when those two restorations have occurred simultaneously. There cannot be true revival unless there has been reformation. And reformation is incomplete without revival. May we be a revivalist that has both the reality of both. Yes. Revival is spiritual transformation or a changed heart. Reformation is cultural transformation or a changed culture. Say amen if you know what I'm saying. Both of these bring a restoration, a wholeness to a life or a nation. I'm almost done and we're going to pray. You see, revivalists get infused with a love for Jesus that produces a desire to see everything look like Jesus and his kingdom and to see everyone know him and to know his ways and to be like him. That zeal produces a desire to toward action to reform anything that isn't in alignment with heaven. Come on. When you reform something, it means to bring it back to God's original intention. Therefore, it is restored to wholeness. It is a reforming of culture to look like heaven. And this can be in the secular and this can be in the church. 
examples of abolition, abolishing slavery. That is reformation in the culture, in the church. An example is Martin Luther's, Luther's thesis to the Catholic Church. Come on, somebody. Reforming doctrine to the pure word of God. Are you listening? Throughout history, it is clear that spiritual transformation at one time or another triggers cultural transformation. Yes. I want to speak for a moment to the Reformation trend in the body of Christ. Now hear what I'm saying. I say this with absolute respect and agreement of everything. I am not in a disdain or a mockery. But true reformists never saw reformation as a trend. They saw it as a cause upon which the betterment of culture and the church hinged. Reformation, my friends, is not glamorous. It is gutsy and it is gory. Reformers are usually hated and not celebrated. Reformation involves a dedication and a stamina that goes well beyond what most Christians have in endurance level in the body of Christ today. And this is why we need revival. Reformation involves revolution and overthrow of an established accepted principles or systems. Are you with me? My God, my God, my God, my God. It is not a trend. It is a mantle that we wear as revivalists. Come on, somebody. We are so guilty in the body of Christ of grabbing trends. Revival's a trend, so now I'm going to make reformation a trend. And then we'll think of another trend, and then another trend. No, what we see them do in the book of Acts is all together what we should be doing. The hall of faith in Hebrews 11, I'm almost done, became nameless at the end. That's why I took so long reading that scripture. The people at the end of that chapter, that's why I was emphasizing the word and then others. Because it talked about Samson, talked about David, so on and so forth. And then others. We don't know how many that represents, but I guarantee you it was the majority. Are you with me? These people were almost hidden, unfamiliar. They were unpopular. They were the majority. I said the majority. We've got too many people trying to be a Samson when God just needs you to be someone of whom the world is not worthy. Someone who willingly sows heaven into earth without drama. Come on, somebody. Someone who is connected to cause and not popularity. Come on, help me, somebody. Someone has said, if we would do what they had did, did in that time without any kind of an agenda, this is my words, we would have a million times greater results that we would have already attained. Come on, this unnamed and this unfamiliar people were radical people that were motivated by a cause to see revival and reformation and restoration. We don't choose what we do. We just do what needs to be done. Come on. And at 35,000 feet, this is what the Spirit spoke. There is a deficit in the body of Christ, and it is called the graduation syndrome. We look at things with the perspective of events rather than flow. From the beginning of time as we know it, God has had a flow. God 
has not been caught off guard. God has not been surprised by anything that has or hasn't happened. God has a flow. He's just looking for the wheat. He's looking for the ram's horn anointing people. He's looking for those who will bow when the Holy Spirit wind blows. Come on and say, that's the one that I'm going to raise up and put in the flow. I didn't know, but Google will tell you most anything these days. That flow and event or events are words of physics. We don't have any smart people in here. Come on, somebody. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Flow means a transference of energy. Now, let me stop and back up and make my statement here. There's a deficit called graduation syndrome. We look at things with the perspective of events rather than flow. Flow, physics terms, guess, means transference of energy. Events, in physics terms, means an occurrence at a single point of time. Event carries an inference of we plan and we do and we move on. Flow, however, carries the inference of birthing it and keeping it moving and everything along the flow brings an energy and begins to be a part of that flow. Are you with me? I'm almost done. Break it down. Revival is bringing life to dead hearts and atmospheres. Reformation is correcting what is wrong and making it look like heaven. Restoration is wholeness and soundness. If you separate the three of those things into events, what you get are carnal reformers, selfish revivalists, and spiritually dead restorers. Why can we only champion one? Come on, somebody. I want a reformer who's a revivalist and a revivalist whose seal compels them to reform. And the end result is the restoration of God's intention, the wholeness that comes from his realm. How? Hear the word of the Lord. Somebody say, I've done revival. I'm moving on to reformation. And I say, I don't want any part of that reformation because it's a flow. It's not an event. I said, it's a flow. It's not an event. Within the kingdom, listen to me. I'm almost done. I know you don't believe me, but I'm almost done. Within the kingdom, there are many areas of the ministry of the saints here. And all of it involves revival, reformation, and restoration. It's a flow. I'm going to try it again. Within the kingdom, there are many. Everybody shout many. There are many areas of the ministry of the saints. And all of them involve revival, reformation, and restoration. It is not an event. It is a flow, a transference of energy from the spirit realm. Restorative acts of compassion feeding the homeless, whatever, outreach in the streets, revival within the four walls of the church, and reformation of government. It's all a flow, and we're making them events. Did you get it? 
those prophetic words that I read to you puts this revival all over the scope of everything that I just talked about. Which means this, that there is a ram's horn anointing that is poured out. And maybe the anointing as a revivalist on me is maybe a little greater than the reforming anointing on you. Are you with me? Hear what I'm saying? But the blessing is there. And because we're not making them events, I got to quit doing this so I can start doing this. Because we're making them events, it's messing up the flow. And God has to take his hands off till he can get some wheat. When the reality is, is whatever anointing that we flow up under, I better not jump because I might hurt myself, but we jump. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's on video. In the flow. And we say, and I'm telling you, when we get in the flow and the transference of the energy, now the energy is what physics calls, but it's the anointing and the energy of the Holy Spirit from his realm, his realm that we know. Come on, are you with me? When that happens, huh, come here. Huh, I'm going to do Tommy's. I know I'm not going to do his. No. I'm going to do my own illustration. And if somebody else, okay, come here, Jessica. Hallelujah. Huh, come here. Come here, Joseph. Come here. Y'all get in, get in front. And we're hurry, hurry, hurry. Yeah, hurry. In front. <laughs> get in the line. No. <laughs> get in the line. Get in the line. Follow me. Follow me. Woo. And we're in a flow with an anointing from God, from the ram's horn, the ram's horn, the ram's horn, the ram's horn, and it comes out of me into one facet, and her into another facet, and him to yet another facet, and him in another facet, but we're all in the flow, and as we're flowing, the energy of the spirit, oh, is changing hearts, and changing lives, and transforming our nation because the church finally stopped making everything an event and began to step in the flow. Come on. Shout in this place. Everybody else stand up and listen very closely to what I'm about to say. Listen, we're going we're gonna to come to an altar of consecration of giving our lives to serve the Lord today. And you say, well, I've done that. We're going to do it again. Hang on, don't leave, don't leave. Listen, you want to know why we're event-minded? Because we're more easily seen. We're easily seen in an event. We're easily seen in an event. But in a flow, everybody looks the same. In a flow, everybody looks the same. Look at me, look at me. And this is why it reads like this. Listen, of whom others, others, of whom the world was not worthy. They were part of the flow that brought a transference of energy or anointing. 
from the ram's horn with a heart of a wheat and a zeal and not a selfish ambition that says, God has a flow and he's given me an anointing. I've got to get in the flow because it's not my purpose. It's his purpose. God may choose to raise up certain ones whose names are known. History bears this out. But for too long in the body of Christ, that has been our starting point, is to be known. That needs to be said again. For too long, that's been our starting point. Instead of getting in the flow and let God be God, and speaking to Samuel and say, not that one, not that one, not that one, not that one. You want to have an event because at an event I can be seen, but in a flow, everybody looks the same. The correct starting place is how can I jump into that flow and how can I make earth look like heaven? Some are wanting to be called to nations and you won't even walk across the street. I don't, I don't want to demean anyone, but look, if these words and others that are similar like them for years are going to come into fulfillment, and I include myself, us, in this. When the wind comes, we must bend and recognize that it is not an event, my friend. It is a flow of those whom the world is not worthy. Anywhere I go, make earth look like heaven. Whether it is in another nation, another state, in this church, or across the street, make earth look like heaven. We refuse to make these an event. They are a flow. Thank you for listening in to the Fresh Start Church podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. You can order Pastor Kim's book, Doorkeepers of Revival, at doorkeepersofrevival.com. And you can listen to Fresh Start Revival Worship on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you stream your music. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.